0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Get ready, Herb. Two bits, four bits, six bits, a dollar, all for Concordia. Stand up and holler. Woo! Kind of expected Herb to stand up on that one. But <clears throat> and if we were really uh, wild in prep school, we would go two bits, four bits, six bits, a peso, all for Concordia. Stand up and say so. That's when we were being tricky. We used to have spirit rallies. I remember the kids, and they played sports at Delta. They had spirit rallies. Well, you know, that's not something that you can just, the principal can't tell you. Go down to the store and get a box of that. You know, how, how do you get a spirit within you? That's kind of a, a, a different thing. That's what today is about. Today's Pentecost Sunday, it's the Holy Spirit's big day. This is it. And the disciples were all gathered together. On this day, they were all kind of still hiding out, 70 of them. And uh, all of a sudden, they, they remembered, when this started to happen, that Jesus told them, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send the advocate with you, or the Greek word parakletos, paraklete. That's not a Japanese songbird. That's, uh, that means the one who stands beside, the one who stands along with you, like in a court of law, your lawyer perhaps, kind of like that. The one who's right there at your side. That he was going to send the Paraclete, also known as the Comforter, to be with you. And so then, all of a sudden, a sound like a sound like the rush of a mighty wind came through the house. And then little tongues as of fire wasn't their hair wasn't burning. It was just as as of fire over their heads. And all of a sudden, then they got God's spirit in them. And then these disciples broke out of the huddle and went and proclaimed boldly the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This shows us the difference between what it is to be a disciple and what it is to be an apostle. Disciple means one who sits at the master's feet and and learns and soaks it in. And apostle translates to the sent ones. So if it was a sponge, a disciple would be the one you dunk into the water, immerse it and then an apostle would be when you do, when you do this, and you wring it out and let it flow over top of other people. So these were the 70 apostles now who went out and were preaching boldly the salvation message to people. And it was pretty surprising. Not only were they doing it, the first thing is surprising that they got that bold, but then the second thing was they were preaching to people in languages that they did not know. And people looked at them and they said, Aren't all these guys Galileans? Which was another way of saying, where do these hillwumps learn how to be linguists? And they then the more cynical in the in the group said, oh, I, I think they're hoes. They're drunk. Which you know Peter then said, Ah, oh, no, it can't. It's not that. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I got to tell you, there's a lot of folks I've worked with over the years. Nine o'clock in the morning is not too early to be drunk. But in that culture. Uh, good genetic tolerance of alcohol and real social strictures against drinking, especially on festival days, not in the morning. It was just unheard of. So Peter said, no, no, they're, they're not hosed. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Don't you remember that the, uh, the Old Testament prophet Joel said that God was going to pour out His Spirit on people. Young men would, would have visions, old men would dream dreams, the people would prophesy, even the slaves. Don't you remember? Well, this is it. So they were, they were amazed. All, all corner people were there because it was festival, harvest festival, from all over the Mediterranean world and they could all hear the message in their, in their language. So it was great. It was, a great. it was a great day. The people there had all the symbolism in front of them. 40 days after Jesus' ascension, 40, forty uh, years in the wilderness, 40 days Mount Sinai for Moses, 40 days for the, uh, uh, the great flood with Noah. They had 70 apostles. There were 70 known countries in the Mediterranean world at that time. There was the wind, which is like the, the, the wind and the breath of God into the dry bones in Ezekiel. There's the fire like on Mount Sinai. And there's the reversal of the curse of the Tower of Babel. Now everybody could hear in their own language. They weren't confused anymore. All the people at that time could not possibly have missed all of that symbolism. And they didn't text tells us that many, many people started following the way, which is what Christianity was called at that time. They started following, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a great day. But that stuff doesn't happen now, does it? People would be bold and go proclaim and and be possibly in danger. That stuff doesn't happen now. Yes, it does. Not here. Because we can still do that without any, any sort of reprisal or, or punishment. We can still do that yet. But in some parts of the world that is happening and people are standing up for their faith and they are dying for it. That is still happening where people are bold enough to proclaim the gospel message despite danger from it. But in another sense, um, we can see the action of the Holy Spirit in, in, in all kinds of things. Because anything that is good comes from the Holy Spirit. Any motivation that you and I ever have that is good comes from God's Spirit first coming into our hearts. Any talent we have comes from the Holy Spirit. So we still see that happening. I think of a lot of examples. When I worked in the hospital, I, I, remember, uh, I remember a guy that was, uh, he was real judgmental about people of a different sexual orientation and then he found out that his son was gay, and then he found out that his son had AIDS, and so he finally his son was in and out of the hospital many times. And uh, when I first met him, he was real kind of vindictive and grouchy and he just came, I think, so he could say, I crossed that one off my list, I visited my son. And as time went on and I visited them again, this, this changed somehow. The father became accepting of his son. He became loving and caring. And by the time his son died, he, he showed great concern and love for him. And I had, I had to ask him. So I said to him, you know, I've, I've watched you for a few months now. What has happened to you? You're much different than you used to be. And his answer, I'll never forget this, he says, I guess the Holy Spirit squeezed the hatred out of my heart." I remember another situation. where I went in, the father, husband was dying, and it was obvious that the mother and one of the daughters could not stand each other. You could cut the tension with the knife in there. So I talked to them, got a little background about their family and so forth, and then I said, would you like to have a prayer? And they said, oh yeah, yeah. And I said, well let's gather around the bed here. And I kind of cut the mother off. She was going to go around. I kind of cut her off. And she had to stand next to the daughter that she couldn't stand. And then I said, let's join hands. And I always consider that to be kind of holy ground around the hospital bed. I said, let's join hands. And we we did. And we had a prayer. And at the end of the prayer, the daughter turned to her mother and said, Mom, I don't want to have this distance between us when Dad is laying here dying. And her mother said, I never wanted it. I love you, and I always will. And that was the end of that. Then they, they hugged one another, and the Holy Spirit squeezed the resentment out of them. And I remember a, another guy who heard about a young man who needed a lung transplant. Uh, yeah, it was a lung transplant. And he, gave, he, he donated one of his lungs didn't even know this guy. That doesn't happen if God's Spirit is not within somebody. That kind of stuff just doesn't happen without the Spirit of God. And I've seen people uh, taking care of their aging parents in this congregation and the other one and everywhere who, and you know, dealing with dementia and confusion and obstinance, and, you know, and I've seen, I've seen the patients and the concern and the love that they still have and they take care of their parents. And that means God's Spirit has been there already. That's from the Spirit of God. I've seen people cut down verbally and they did not, they did not retort even though they had plenty of ammunition that they could have fired back. They did not. They chose not to. That is God's Spirit. Lutherans tend to be a little light on the third person of the Trinity. Not that our teaching is that way, not that our doctrine is that way, it's just our practice is kind of light on the Holy Spirit. And I think that is because we might be afraid that we could become Pentecostals or something, I don't know. Uh I don't think it's that Lutherans don't believe in the power of God's Spirit I think it's because we do. And we have gotten the idea that God's Holy Spirit is pretty freewheeling. And even though He is called the Comforter, when I read through scriptures, I can see a lot of evidence that He is also the disturber. The Holy Spirit gets people out of their comfort zone doing things that they never thought they would do. Isn't that right, Marilyn? Marilyn the evangelist who said she never would. That, that the Holy Spirit does things that stretch us from being who we are. That let us let go of some of our pet resentments and some of our intolerances of others who are different than us, which means they're obviously wrong and stupid. The Holy Spirit lets us get away, with some of, get away from some of that stuff. So I really think that it's not that Lutherans don't believe in the Holy Spirit, it's that we do and we are possibly afraid to turn the Spirit loose because we might have to change, we might have to do something that's not comfortable, we might have to go places we didn't think we were going. But I give you this promise as I look through Scripture at all the people whom this Holy Spirit moved Peter and Paul and Stephen and Elijah, and Elisha, and all of the other people. Uh, Elisha wanted a double portion of Elijah's spirit. He was really asking for it. All the people of whom God's spirit fell, none of them ever regretted it. None of them said, wow, I shouldn't have done that. They all were thrilled and filled with the joy of the Lord. So I tell you, if we take a risk on this today to ask the Lord to send his spirit to us, it's going to turn out okay. I promise you that. And now I am going to ask you, if you're willing, to pray with me for God's spirit to come into you. Now remember in the, the second lesson, it is said, whatever you pray for, I will do it. So, you know, watch what you pray for now. You might get it. If you're willing, pray with me. Lord God, send your Holy Spirit into me like a rushing wind, like a burning fire. Let your Spirit mold me and change me and embolden me. Send your Spirit into me. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.